0: Thank you, Seth and Chris. He did a great job in the early service, too, folks. I want to tell you, it's hard to play a woodwind instrument. Did you all know that? I was a brass player. And woodwinds, it's so easy to make them squeak and squawk. Uh, I've always been amazed at how people can play a, a clarinet or a saxophone or, or bass sax or whatever. We're blessed to have so much talent. Did you not enjoy the children singing? Amen? Amen. Yeah. <clears throat> I want to thank all the people that work with our children, Debbie and Bertha and Miss Ann Lance played for them, and appreciate all you parents. They were here in the early service too, and some of them are having to stay for a second service. I'm sorry, Mac. <laughs> yeah. They were here early this morning singing. This morning I want to talk to you a little bit about seizing opportunities and about how we ought to be living. Uh, If you'll have your your Bible, take your Bible, turn to Ephesians the 5th chapter, well-known passage of Scripture. Ephesians chapter 5, beginning with verse 15 down through verse 20. And I'll read it from a couple of different translations in just a moment. Let's bow together in prayer as we begin. Father, in the few moments that we have, would you help us examine your word and by your spirit let your spirit speak through your word to us so that we can be the people and live like you want us to live and make a difference in our world. In Jesus' name and for his sake, amen. The text says, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your hearts to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now that's the NIV version, the New Living Translation. So be very careful how you live, not as fools, but as those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity for doing good in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly. Try to understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine because it will ruin your life. Instead, let the Holy Spirit control you. Then you'll sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourself, making music to the Lord in your hearts. And you'll always give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then J.B. Phillips' translation. Live life with a due sense of responsibility. Not as men and women who do not know the meaning and the purpose of life. But as those who do. Make the best use of your time despite all the difficulties of the days. Don't be vague but firmly grasp what you know to be the will of God. Don't get your stimulus from wine. Rather, let your stimulus come from God's Spirit. Let His Holy Spirit stimulate your souls. Express your joy in singing among yourselves hymns and psalms and spiritual songs, making music in your hearts for the ears of God. And thank God at all times for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I've been reading the autobiography of Jack Nicklaus. Some of you know who Jack Nicklaus is. He's one of the greatest golfers that's ever lived. When I was a boy, I looked up to him because I love golf, and I, that's one of the sports that I tried to watch whenever it's on TV and I tried to follow. And I've been blessed through the years to meet a number of pro golfers. Uh, I used to work as an assistant manager of a Safeway store right next to the Colonial golf course up in fort worth off tcu's campus so i got to meet gary player and a few people like him through the years but jack nicholas opens up his first chapter with these words and you need to know something about jack nicholas he he retired several years ago but he has 18 major tournament victories 117 tournament wins he's one of five golfers total that has grand slams and he has three of them the other ones are Gene Sarazen, Ben Hogan, Gary Player, and Tiger Woods. This is the way he opens the chapter of his autobiography with these words. Everyone's life is scattered with milestones, events that mark a change of course for better or worse. Frequently they go unrecognized for what they were until hindsight produces twenty twenty. Let me read it again, in case it didn't sink in. Everyone's life is scattered with milestones, events that mark a change of course for better or for worse. Frequently, they go unrecognized for what they were until hindsight produces twenty-twenty vision. The Texas Morning proposes to us how to live. Years ago, Francis Schaefer wrote a book, and the title of his book was "How." Shall we then live? How ought we to be about life? How, how ought to we be living? What do we need to be doing? How do we need to be going about life? That's what proposes here. Here are the text: We are to be very wise in how we live. And how we go about life. We're not to be foolish. Boy, how many of us have done foolish things? You don't have to answer that. How many of us have, have made an A plus? In stupid 101. You know, and I don't use that word stupid very often. I told our children not to use that word stupid. Uh, first grade teacher years ago used the word stupid in class. And my son came home and told him, told, told his mother and me, our teacher said a bad word. Now, we should never call anybody by that name. But all of us have done things that were not good for us to do. All of us have made decisions that were not good decisions. Maybe they were foolhardy. Maybe they were a little on the unwise side. Philip said, live life then with a due sense of responsibility, not as men and women who do not know the meaning and the purpose of life, but as those who do. So how are we to go about life? Well, don't be arrogant or ignorant. Know how to live life with some wisdom, some common sense, by using the brain power God gave us. Don't Be blind to your own way of living. Have you ever done that? You can see everybody else's faults. You can point out everybody else's things they're doing wrong, but you can't look in the mirror and see your own faults. You can't see that you're just like them. This morning when I came in about 6 o'clock, there was a bunch of people running down the road in front of the church. I had to wait for them. They they went by right where I turned in. I had to wait for them. They all had headlights on their heads. I mean, they had these little devices that were about this wide, and they were all shining lights. Many of them had backpacks, and I just got out of the truck, and I said, Is that Camp Gladiator going by? And the guy says, No, it's just a bunch of people trying to lose some weight. <laughs> you know, I, have to, I have to admit, 6 a.m. in the morning, on a cold morning like this, they ran in a group to support one another. I just hope they didn't fall. You know, hope the lights were doing something good for them because it's pitch dark out there. Have you ever seen somebody walking and texting? I mean, you know, let's just, let's just play like this has happened, because it happens every day. This group right here tell town. The they got their phones out, and they're walking, and they're walking, and they walk right into something. Mailbox, somebody in the hallway, high school. Can you text in the hallway at high school? Can you text in the hallway at high school? They're not supposed to have their phones in flash. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I've got the high school principal over here. Uh, let, let me just reinforce what the rule is now. If you get caught texting in class, does the phone get taken up still? Oh, they turn them in before they go in there. Oh, well, they've kind of cracked down on y'all, haven't they? <laughs> well, I want to share something with you. And I, I share this in love You know, everybody, nearly everybody in here, well, not everybody, but nearly everybody in here has some kind of cell phone. Some of us don't know how to use them. I'm one of those that don't know how to use them, so I don't use mine as much as others. But I want to tell you how you can tell if you're addicted to one, okay? You put it down, and you leave it there for a couple of days and see if you can do without it. And if you can't do without it, if you're looking for it, or you're reaching in your pocket, or you're... Looking around for it. I want to share something with you. You have an addiction to it. and some of you already defend yourselves like we do when we have addictions. Oh, well, I, I have to have that for my business. I'm, I'm needed. I, the, what if my kids can't get... My, my son's gone on a trip and he needs to get a hold of me. Yeah. Folks, I want to share something with you. People have always been traveling. People have always been needing to get a hold of you. I just wish everybody that has my cell phone number didn't call because I did not give it out to half the people that call my cell phone. And they're always wanting to sell me something. Or if I've got a deal for you, you know, want to sell me swamp land in Florida or something. Uh, we need to pay attention to how we go about life, and that's what using wisdom is. Bob Fuller was here in the first service, and he sat right over here. Bob Fuller lost his dad a few years ago. Y'all may not know that. He sings in the choir up here. He lost his dad when a young person reached down in the floorboard to get their phone. And when they reached down to get their phone, they were still driving and they ran over his father while he was crossing the road in Fort Worth, Texas. Because a young person wasn't paying attention. This last week, Jack Dillon Young, 21 years old, of Lakey Texas was sentenced to 55 years in prison. In his statements to the court, he said, Every day I wished I'd have been the one that died. Every day I wished I could take back the grief and the heartache that I caused because of my behavior. You see, he had smoked marijuana before he got in the truck, and he was on a prescription drug, and he killed 13 people in a wreck when his truck went over into the passageway of First Baptist Church in New Braunfels. Thirteen senior adults returning from a trip, a retreat, died. That young man, because he wasn't paying attention, because he acted foolishly, cost not just his life in the next 50 years in prison, it cost the lives of people who cannot Their life can't be brought back. A lot of pain, a lot of anguish, a lot of heartache. Today, unfortunately, in this week, somebody will die in a car wreck because this is one of the heavily traveled weeks of the year in our cars because they weren't paying attention. Today, somebody somewhere, or this week, because they're going to be up hanging out Christmas lights. Dave McGarity. Should we climb on ladders if we're up about 70 years of age? No, stay off the ladders, right? Bruce Green, three men out of your class, all at one time, all with broken ankles, all because of ladder reaching, okay? Now, some of y'all don't have to be that old. Some of you don't need to be on ladders anyway. But you, you get the message. All of us do things that sometimes are not real intelligent. We back out of the garage with the garage door down. We run over the child's bicycle because we didn't see it. We finally cut all the, so y'all know, you newcomers here, we finally have cut all the trees down in the parking lot, out on the south side of the church, because we didn't need any more people backing or running into the trees. We probably had 15 to 20 cars back into the trees or run into trees out there. Do you know that 75% of the wrecks are done because of backing? Study insurance. That's why the little, now the little thing inside that helps you see what's behind you is helpful. I still think you need to look back and see where you're going. We used to have more excitement on Sunday morning. We had Brother JB, I mean Brother, uh, uh, gone blank on the name now, uh, drove a blue Dodge uh, charger, one of our dear sweet members, former pastor, was about 95 years old, pastored several churches in here. Uh, brother JB Brother Jordan, that's what I'll call him. Isn't that right? Purple Dodge Charger sitting right in the front. He was old school. He would look behind him. You need to get in the car and put it in reverse, never look back again. <laughs> it's exciting. You'd see people dodging. You'd see people jumping left and right. I mean, it was exciting. Everyone here, folks, has done something foolish or caused some pain for another. Everyone here has done something that they shouldn't have done. I had a worker at the food bank, 6 a.m. the other morning. He had a bandage around his hand. And one of his fellow workers, by the way, they weren't Baptists. They were from the Lutheran Church, just so you all know. He said, what happened to your hand? He said, I hit it with a hammer. He said, well, why'd you do that? He said, I bandaged it up and hit it again with the hammer. (laughs) Twice he'd made the same mistake, and it was pretty banged up, you know. Have you ever had something happen that you didn't plan on? You ladies that love to cook this time of the year. Have you ever reached in the oven to get that pumpkin pie out or apple pie, and you don't have enough, enough, padding on the bottom, and you get it, and you pick it up, and you drop it, and then you have a Sunday school lesson in front of your little grandchildren, (laughs) and you use God's name in ways. Hopefully, that's never happened. We are to seize the opportunities, folks, to live purposeful, wise lives. Uh, When we're wise, we know how to seize those opportunities. I want to share something with you. The most holy moment you may ever have is with the person that's right in front of you or right beside you or right behind you because you never know when that's the last time you'll see them. Could be. Also, it's an opportunity for you to share Christ. Sometimes God brings people across our paths that do not know the Lord Jesus. And He gives us opportunities to bear witness of His love and grace with them in ways. Hopefully they'll catch us on a good day. Hopefully they won't catch us when our flesh is making all the noise. We're to seize those opportunities to make a difference in our world, to do some good, to help someone else. Why? Because we live in days that are difficult and sometimes very evil. You know, it's hard to apologize to somebody after they're gone. It's hard to reconcile with somebody after the opportunity has passed by. It's, sometimes we don't take advantage of the opportunities that are ours. Sometimes it's hard to help the very people we love the most. That's when it really gets difficult. Because something happened that fractured the relationship and we can't fix it. Only God can. But we can still pray, we can still encourage, we can still help. We're to understand what the Lord's will is. What is the Lord's will? What does He want us to do? We're all here, created by God. He created us to be who He calls us to be in Christ and use whatever gifts and talents that we have that He's given us to bless others. We're to know what time it is in our life. Is it early? Is it middle? Is it late? I want to tell you, it's always later than you think. And you've heard me say that a hundred times. Galatians 6.10 says it like this. We're also to do good, especially to those of the household of faith, the family of fellow believers. We're all Christians, most of us in here. We all ought to be helping our fellow Christians. We're not their judge, folks. You know, I've heard a lot of people badmouth California. Folks, California state just like Texas is. They've got plenty of sinners in California, and Texas has got plenty of sinners too. So to blame the people, like we had happen, for their problems is not looking in the mirror. Okay? Nobody is righteous except those in Christ, and in Him is where our righteousness comes from. You read Scripture, it's real clear. It says, our righteousness is as filthy rags. I'm quoting Scripture. Scripture. So be careful about judging others. The idea of losing 11,000 structures and seeing 30,000 people without homes that's burned to the ground and nothing left disturbs me and it should disturb everybody in this whole country. There's nothing more devastating than to see somebody sitting in a tent trying to make ends meet when the job's gone, the house is gone, and everything they own is gone while they're waiting, hopefully, for some type of insurance to rebuild their lives. What should we be doing? We should be helping. We at least can pray. We can give. We can make a difference. There's some people that are going to have to move from California. I'm just telling you that. Some of you saying, well, we don't want them here in Texas. See, I know who I'm speaking to because I heard that all through the political campaigns. I want to share something with you. We live in a free nation in all different kinds of states with all different kinds of people, and Jesus loves sinners. That's who he died on the cross for. So we need to be careful about judging our other people of our nation, even though we don't agree with them. We can still show them respect. We can still pray for them. We can still witness to them. I want to tell you there's nothing worse than an angry, frustrated Christian that's mad at the world and at other people because that is not the integrity of Christ. We're to live with a sense of joy. Well, how do we do that? How can you be happy when you're mad? You can't. The anger of man does not produce the righteousness that God's desire. That's in James. And I know it better than anybody because I quote that verse of Scripture to me all the time, especially when I get upset. Jerry, the anger of man does not bring about the righteous life the Lord desires in me. It was Chardin who said that joy is the most infallible sign of the presence of God. We can do this by singing, by speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, by making music in your hearts to the Lord. Sometimes we fail to recognize how much happiness can come from us just being joyful. I love to be around joyful Christians. Don't you? Rather than cynical, skeptical, griping, complaining Christians. Give you a choice. You rather have joyful people or the other side. Tell me. Joyful. Sure. Sure, joyful. I mean, I don't know about y'all. I was blessed while ago by Seth playing the saxophone. Pastor, Amen? I was blessed by the children singing, amen. I was blessed by Chris, by Ann, by Alice, and by Marty playing the instruments and all the guys up here. Where does the joy come from? It comes from the Lord. The joy of the Lord really is our strength. It really is. Kirk Kaiser was a friend of mine that died that Chris mentioned. I I was fortunate. I was at Baylor in the early days when they started those youth musicals. Tell It Like It Is was the first Christian musical that actually was nationally broadcast. It was in that and another musical called Natural High. And you say, well, what's Natural High Bass. It was written during the drug scene to try to reach young people who were on drugs. Some of the words went like this. It's a scientific formula, effectively reduced to simple terms so anyone can try. It's a perfectly legal, non-chemically induced, logical, natural high. I want to tell you, folks, I memorized that 47 years ago. That's pretty good. Did you see what stayed with me? There's a sweet, sweet spirit in this place. We sang it every Wednesday night at BRH Choir when we led worship on campus. And then a song like, Oh, How He Loves You and Me. So simple, so profound. God really does love us. He loves you and He loves me. He gave his life. What more could he give? Oh, how he loves you and me. Yeah, I was fortunate. Two to three years ago, I was at a reunion at Seventh and James Baptist Church where Kirk Kaiser was there. Ken Miedema, who was a very well-known blind Christian musician, was there. And Charlie Brown, also another music writer and composer. And they led us in worship at a Seventh and James reunion. I says Reunion. His reunion for the people that went to church at 7th and James from 65 to 75. Ten-year period because it was kind of unusual. God did such a work through the Jesus movement, through Christian music, through all the different things. Word records was at its peak during that time. Gerald McCracken and, and Kirk Kaiser and Charlie Brown, those guys, they helped build word records into what it became. You say, well, big deal. I wasn't there and it didn't have anything to do with me. Folks, you just sang two songs that came out of that.